building entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the Bestial Rob Kelly. How you doing there, Tiger? <laughs> well, some of you ladies. There it is. Rob, why don't you set up for the folks at home uh, what we're doing today? Well, yes, Shag and I are going to be talking about a three-part story from Justice League of America, numbers 221 through 223. I tend to, in my mind, I call these the this the Beast Wars storyline, but that's totally not what it's called, and we'll have reasons why I should never call it Beast Wars. Uh, it's basically it's basically just the Beasts storyline by uh, Jerry Conway and Chuck Patton, and this Shag is the final storyline in Justice League of America classic that features both Aquaman and Firestorm. After this, oh. there's none left. We've covered them all. Oh, oh I was going to say, wait, there's 228, but yeah, we've already covered that one. We covered you're that saying. one. They're, oh, they're, they're, man. They're, there's a three-parter that has Firestorm in it, but yeah. there's none that have Aquaman and Firestorm. So this is our swan song uh, when guess, it comes to talking about classic JLA comics featuring our two characters. I guess this is it. We can just wrap it up after this. There's no point going on, huh? It's going to be an all-first-issue <laughs> special format all the time. Green team, let's go! Look so forth. So, so Rob contacted me this week and gave me this idea, and I went, <gasps> do we have to? <laughs> that because really was the reaction. I remember reading this 30 years ago when I bought it, as a back issue, mind you, uh, at that point, because we were in the middle of Justice League Detroit at that point, and I did not care for the storyline about 30 years ago. Didn't care for it. Was not interested. The covers, to some extent, still, I find kind of boring. Uh, and I was like, Ugh. so we'll find out how I feel now that I've reread it. But before we do all that, folks, we need to take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStock Trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping of orders of $50 or more. What you got, buddy? Uh, this storyline, unfortunately, has not been reprinted anywhere. In fact, any of these later issues of JLA have not yet been reprinted, but I got as close as I could, which is Justice League of America, The Bronze Age Omnibus, Volume 1. 
Uh, it reprints JLA's number 77 through 113, 848 pages in color. Wow. <laughs> this is a phone book size book. Normal price, $99.99. In stock trades price, $57.99. That is 42% off and features a beautiful brand new cover by Carl Kershaw, featuring some of the members of the classic JLA. It looks really nifty. Uh, if you, if you uh, know someone who loves Justice League or might love Justice League, Pick the, well, if you can't pick this book up, literally, uh, have, it, have it shipped <laughs> to your house and give it to them because it's it's a collection of some great stories. Of course, Jelly 113 is all the Lynn Ween stories that he did featuring uh, the, the man who murdered Santa Claus, that classic. Number 77 is the issue where they get the satellite. We find out that Snapper Carr is a traitor because, of course, he is. So there's a bunch <laughs> of really great stories in this collection. So pick it up, Bronze Age of Omnibus, Volume 1. Interestingly enough, I considered this one as well. Uh, another one I considered was another one of these enormous tomes was uh, the Justice League Detroit era. I also considered a JSA trade paperback, our, our omnibus, which included the roulette stories, which there's a lot of similarities between the roulette stories and this one. But ultimately, I shied away because all those are so damned expensive. And that's all it seems to be all I've been doing lately is recommending expensive books. So I tried to – I scrolled through and looked for something a little less expensive, and I found one that I feel like – Sort of fitting for this show. It's an Aquaman trade paperback. In fact, it's called Aquaman by Peter David. Trade paperback, book one. I know, Rob, this is probably proudly sitting on your collection. Um, I bought three of them. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> Written by Peter David. Art by Kirk. Uh, I've never been able to say his name. Uh, Jarvanen. Um, and cover art by Marty Egeland And... Um, so what this is, it collects the Aquaman Tide and Tide miniseries, the first four issues, then Aquaman number zero through eight. Actually, it's one, two, three, zero, then four through eight or whatever is how it really worked out in publication's sake. Um, this is the beginning of the Peter David of, era of Aquaman, and it's freaking glorious. I love this era of Aquaman. It tells you how he got the hook hand. It sets up angry Aquaman. That was That's the way he was through the 90s, became immensely popular through the JLA run by Grant Morrison. Um, this was the beginning of Aquaman becoming popular again. I mean, whether you might think he's bedraggled and not enjoy it or not, you can't deny the power this run had on Aquaman, right? I never have. I've never denied that. Okay. Uh, it's 320 pages, full color. Normally retails for $29.99, but you can get it for 42% off right now, so it's only $17.39, and it is a hell of a deal. That is affordable. We're always talking about the Peter David run, or I'm always talking about Peter David run, and Rob's <laughs> sneering at it. This is your chance to read it. And, I mean, God, this, you know what? This is also the beginning of the Momoa version of Aquaman, really. This is kind of where his roots are, too. So... Please check this out, folks. Let me know that you love it, because I know you will. And for these and all your other trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Now, before we get rolling, we have already mentioned Justice League Detroit a couple of times here, and um, we've got a cool idea. Actually, it's Rob's idea. I know he's had two weird, two good ideas in a week. It's crazy. Um, something we're going to do on an upcoming episode. It might be one week away, two weeks away, three weeks ago. I don't know. It's, it's in the near future. We are going to do a, a fun little exercise, and we want to share it with you guys in advance so you can start brainstorming and share your thoughts. Rob, you want to describe it to him? Uh, yeah, we haven't officially named the episode yet, but I've been referring it to as uh, What If JLA Detroit? And my idea is this. Uh, Shag and I are going to come up with our versions of Justice League Detroit 
as if it was 1984 and we were we were the editors of the book and we were assembling a team and this is not any way to besmirch the work of jerry conway everyone knows we love jerry we're huge huge fans of jerry and we all have varying opinions on jla detroit but we thought it would just be fun to kind of say what would have happened if if we had been assigned to come up with a justice league detroit team or at least a justice league new a new version of justice league uh, to replace the old one that was uh, that 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 basically disbanded it or aquaman disbanded i should say in justice league of America. <laughs> annual number two. So this is just kind of a little flight of fancy, uh, and, and we're going to see what we come up with. Shag and I are not going to share each other our ideas with each other until we go on the air, and so uh, that's what we're going to be working on in a couple of weeks. And if you guys want to put your own teams in the comment thread, go for it. Now, give you some perspective here. If you want to do a little research, uh, the time frame is August 1984 is what we're talking about. That's when right. Uh, it's got to be characters I... available at that time. It's not like exactly. you can be like, oh, I you know I want uh, Hitman in my team. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Plus, exactly. plus you shouldn't do that anyway. <laughs> in fact, you know, here, here's some ground rules you can consider. You don't have to be beholden to, but really, from from the perspective of in continuity, in comic continuity, you know, Aquaman disbanded the league with his intention was to develop a team that could uh, be available at all times, which sort of removed people like Superman and Wonder Woman and stuff like that because they couldn't full time commit, right? So th- that's one consideration. Another is in a real world perspective, Jerry Conway and them decided they wanted to pick up a little of this new Teen Titans heat that was selling so well, so they wanted to bring in some juice your members as well to try and get some of that teen angst going so you can use those rules you can not use those guidelines whichever your call uh, i probably will maybe dip in and out of both of those just for fun um i can't wait I'm, I, I already have three pages of notes <laughs> of characters and i'm like ooh, 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 ooh. so uh, i may end up putting together multiple teams i don't know but feel free to share your teams in the comments folks i uh we we will not let those sway us uh going in though I love it. I, this was my idea, and yet Shag has taken three pages, and I jotted some ideas on a post-it. <laughs> <laughs> Rob wrote Aquaman <laughs> and some fish. Mira, uh, Aqualad, Aqua Girl, uh, Volko, uh, and uh, Volko yeah. is a team member. He's the new Dale Gunn. <laughs> exactly. Why not? All right. Well, folks, let's get into this Justice League of America number two hundred and twenty-one, cover dated December nineteen eighty-three. Rob, take it away. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, I have uh, very vivid memories of buying this comic book off the shelf, off uh, Comic Crypt, my my local comic book shop in Oakland, New Good Jersey. Gracious, that's the name of it. And uh, I'm surprised, yeah, uh, surprised it wasn't in Voorhees yeah, with a no, name like that. No, no daylight at all in the stores. All papered over and stuff like that. But this was the first issue of Justice League I bought that was seventy five cents. The cover price went up. All DC Comics went to seventy five cents. That was a very startling turn of events to be like, this comic cost me fifty cents more than it did last month but okay you know there's a whole article by denny o'neill in the comic about it right right so yeah i know you don't want to be like oh we don't want to you know we're sorry we have to raise prices like this it was a big deal anyway uh so the, the first uh, uh the first chapter is called beast it's by jerry conway of course chuck Patton, and pablo marcus uh this issue opens on a seemingly normal limousine as it drives up to a huge opulent looking building under a giant gold A-shape, the limo is met by a valet, but he's wearing a domino mask for some reason. Also, he has a creepy, evil-looking grin as he meets the limo's passengers. We see it's a man and a woman, also wearing masks, and as they make their way inside, we also see that everyone in this building is similarly anonymous. They talk in breathless tones about what they are about to see. They make their way to stadium seats surrounding what looks like the grounds of a Roman Colosseum. Suddenly, a woman watches what is transpiring below, and she looks positively orgasmic, her teeth gritted into a malevolent smile. We don't see what's happening, but we get a sense of it from the splash page. This woman uh, begs for the kill shot uh, to, to occur, and we see a giant 
geyser of blood splash up and hit her in the face. And she is absolutely thrilled about this turn of events as people cheer for the death, for the uh, kill shot that apparently has just taken place off panel. And from this moment, we realize we are in a very different Justice League kind of story. We cut to Metropolis Harbor, where Superman and Wonder Woman are trying to stop some armored crooks who just robbed Star Labs. They sink the robber's speedboat, but while Superman is underwater, he is attacked by a massive creature, a sort of whale man. He then attacks Wonder Woman, knocking her out as well. At the same time, The Flash, while stopping a similarly dressed crooks in Central City, is the victim of a sneak attack by a rhino man, who goes so far as to stab The Flash right in his stomach with the horn. He and his armored men take off, leaving The Flash for dead. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, the elongated man is on a case, but when he sneaks his way into a Chinese laundromat, he is attacked by birds, birds with human eyes. They knock him into a laundry press, and the, the owner of the... Uh, it's, <laughs> this is so grotesque. The owner of the, uh, the laundry steams elongated man and presses him in the press as the birds peck at his face. Uh, meanwhile, Firestorm, the nuclear man, also Ooh. comes across a creature like this, a cat girl who attacks, attacks Firestorm and thinking he is there to bring her back to Rex. Firestorm gets her to calm down, asking what the heck she's talking about. She surrenders, claiming she'll explain everything if he promises to protect her. Meanwhile, at the JLA satellite, members of the team are monitoring what has happened to the Flash and Elongated Man. Firestorm brings this cat girl named Rena with him. Hawkgirl is worried because she cannot contact her husband, Carter Hall, with her signal device. That's because Carter doesn't have it on, as he is on an archaeological dig in Egypt. Suddenly, those same... What? I say that's what he calls his night out with the ladies, okay. but anyway. Oh, like anybody would cheat on Chera. Anyway, suddenly, <laughs> those same armored crooks show up looking for some loot. And to help them, they have a group of hideous scorpion men alongside them. Carter, as Hawkman, tries to stop them. But the scorpion men have turned uh, this quiet patch of desert into a chamber of horrors as they start stabbing people with their, uh, their poisonous uh, tails. And we see just off camera someone uh, bleeding from the, the wound that they get from one of the scorpions. Hawkman then gets stung by one of them right in the back. We cut to a small, nerdy man with a report. He mentions that the intruder who was attempting to steal some of their gene records was, in fact, Rena. This enrages who, is, who he is talking to, a huge, hulking lion man named Maximus Rex, and she swears vengeance on Rena to be continued. Dun-dun-dun! So do we want to talk about it, or we want to keep doing all the recaps? Well, let, let's let's talk about this one. What did what, okay. like? Okay, what did, what do you think? You you've already kind of tell us telegraphed what you thought about it. What do you think about it now, thirty years later? Um, I liked it quite a bit, actually. Uh, okay. It's a really good setup issue. Um, it, there's certain Bronze Agey things. Well, let's start off from the beginning. The whole orgasmatic thing. You're not it, Rob's not like reaching here, guys. I mean, here's some dialogue. She gets her wish, and her scream of physical delight can almost be heard above the bellowing death cry in the arena below, and she's being splashed with blood as if it was bodily fluids, and she pretty much has an orgasm right there as, this, as somebody clearly is murdered. Um, very powerful stuff. I actually stopped at that point, flipped back to the cover to see if the Comics Code Authority was still on <laughs> it, and it is. I was like, okay, wow. Um, so, uh, you, go, you know, one thing we didn't talk about is the cover. So let's let's start there. So the cover has Rena, uh, the Catwoman, and she is standing over a pile of unconscious JLAers. You've got Hawkman and Flash and Firestorm who are all cut up really bad. Superman is not cut up at all, but he's still unconscious. Uh, I like Fire, like I really like what Chuck Patton did here with Firestorm's hair going all up along the left side, makes a really nice sort of uh, effect going on. And of course, you know, I'm a little biased, but um, it's it's a, and it's just deadlier than the male. I don't like the tagline. But I think the image is pretty interesting. Uh, it does make you wonder how a cat person took out all the leaguers. 
uh, which doesn't happen in the comic anyway. But I don't know. What do you think of the cover? Oh, I, like, I mean, it's Chuck Patton and Dick Giordano. Can't beat that team. And the fact that we see Hawkman and Flash actually bleeding, which is pretty rare. Firestorm's mm-hmm. cut up, but he's not bleeding. But it does suggest that this is a slightly grittier story than what you're about to get. Now, it's way grittier on the inside than even this cover. Yeah. Let you know, I think the comics code people were out that day, and they were like, ah, it's Justice League, it's fine. Uh, more, right. We don't have to look at it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, the first three pages really gives you a sense of this is different. This is not anything we've seen before in a Justice League comic. And we'll get into that later on about my thoughts about the, the approach that Jerry took here, I do. We never, we've, I've never had a chance to ask Jerry about this specifically, but it's it's interesting because, of course, in the end of JLA number two sixteen, he signs off. He says, right. "This is my final issue. I've had a great run. It's been great writing Justice League." And then he was gone for four issues, and now he's he's back again without like, and they never mention it. They don't say hmm. why. Now, obviously. He was getting ready to do JLA Detroit, but it's interesting. Something happened there where he thought he was leaving the book, and then I guess he decided to come back to the book, or DC offered him to come back to the book. But, but man, he comes back with it with a bang. Is this story is just is Justice League? Justice League comics don't feature people bleeding, uh, right? And yet here you've got it all over the place here. Um, and I love there's some details again. Chuck Patton. We we've gone on and on about how much we love Chuck Patton. Um, I mean, we can go into some of the details about some of the, the body language he puts into his book, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, you know, well, about Patton, you know, he's kind of like a nice melding of Aparo and Perez almost, you know? Uh, if you're looking at some of his figure lines and faces and stuff like that, I kind of feel like there's a, I don't know, a, a nice middle line there. Um, the audience in the beginning, I mean, when even before the orgasm scene, I mean, she's sitting there licking her lips as she's reading the bill of what's about to happen. The guy is sweating profusely. I mean, it's just... Really, like you said, gives you a sense that this is messed up. Yep. Um, really cool. I like that. The uh, <laughs> Superman and right, so the only thing I kind of was like eh, about was Superman and Wonder Woman's fight with the guy, the crooks. I actually enjoyed the fight, but it just seemed so, so uh, Bronze Agey. It just felt really, really Bronze Agey of, and I, I don't, I don't know any other adjective to give you other than that. You know, Wonder Woman is battling the guys in her. You know, her she's standing on top of her invisible plane, right? Roping him. It's an invisible jet plane. It doesn't go like five miles an hour. It goes hundreds of miles an hour. So her just like hovering over their boat, I, I have trouble with that. It doesn't work for me. But made for a fun battle. I think Superman was being a little bit of a dick when he set the so he started boiling the water around the bad guys. I love that. that. Was, I love that she calls them my little lobsters. I love right. That. <laughs> it was funny, and and again, that's sort of the Bronze Age like. I guess I hate it and love it at the same time. I don't hate it. It's not a strong word. But anyway, uh, I did like how she got knocked out, so Superman has to give her mouth-to-mouth. Like, almost like, – were they constantly hitting about, like, a romance between these two back then or something? He's – you're – you're – come on. <laughs> her, she is knocked out and wakes up to a dreamy image of him kissing her on page 9. Tell me that's not a dreamy image of her. It's mouth-to-mouth. He's saving her life for the pizza – he's getting the but, water out of her. But look at the art. The art yeah. is telling a different story. Yeah, no, you know? there's right, exactly. Mouth to mouth, presumably doesn't look like that because you wouldn't see the lips of the person. You would just see right. their eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a romance comic drawing of Superman. <laughs> yeah, I do love on that page where she's like, this is a Chuck Batten thing. She's wringing out her hair. I was going to say that. I love that little bit. That's great. Love that. Yeah, it's so good. Um, let's see what else. We already talked about how bloody the whole, the whole issue is very bloody, very graphic. Oh, uh, I like the fight between and here, here's where certain things I was like, okay, look, the Justice League are top notch. Should these animal creatures be able to beat them? Well, I'm glad that 
Wonder Woman and Superman beat the whale guy. They should. I mean, they're two of the most powerful heroes on the planet. They shouldn't lose to this guy. Um, I mean, they, they did... Well, actually, I guess they kind of did lose, didn't they? Hmm. Well, they but Superman they, recovered the device. Yeah, they recovered. Yeah, they recovered the device, and but so yeah, I mean, but the whale guy gets away, so I mean, yeah. it's kind of a draw, really. So Flash getting gored, I actually thought worked pretty well because he didn't know the guy was coming at him. With otherwise, Flash should always get away. Uh, elongated man's capture was a little bit silly, but it was so graphic that I let it slide. You know, being steamed and then the birds pecking at your face was pretty gross. Um, but the Firestorm battle I actually liked the best because there's a long history of Firestorm having trouble with phys- with in-close fighters, people who get in hand-to-hand. Firestorm really can't keep up with them. So here she's dodging and weaving and kicking and slashing and just keep beating the crap out of them. And I'm glad they also acknowledge that she's different than Hyena. Because Hyena, of course, is you know his famous animalistic villain, where you could just say, oh, it's another ripoff. But they talk about in here how she's uh, more intelligent, more thinking, and things like that, and calculating, which I really liked. Um, Firestorm taking her to the satellite was a little bit of a stretch. You know, I don't know. Would you do that? No, I wouldn't. But uh, yeah. that gets to something that I'm I'm going to get to when we get to the third issue. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then uh, the bad guy's scientist named Dr. Lovecraft, which is hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> right on the nose there, Jerry. <laughs> Those scorpion guys freak me out. Like, they're really disturbing looking. Maybe it's just like an innate, uh, you know, race memory fear of bugs, but they're like, ooh, give me well, the heebie-jeebies. They're also giant. I mean, they're, you know, I mean, scorpions are terrifying even when they're tiny, let alone a giant, you know, a 50-foot one. It's absolutely, it's a nightmare fuel. So, I guess. Right. Plus, they have human faces, which is just like super. Super creepy. Well, that and the giant, and they're just having right through people's chest, leaving yep. a hole that's got to be, you know, five inches across. Ugh. Yep. Now, the bad guy, Maximus Rex, doesn't do a lot for me visually. He looks kind of silly, at least on this page. He, I, I will not say that in later issues, but right now it's kind of like, eh, he's a lion. Okay. All right. That's all I got. What about you? Anything else? <laughs> no, that's about it. Like I said, I think it's really well done. I love the elongated man sequence. To me, that feels like a, a very, like almost Italian horror kind of feel to it of just, you know, this is a very, elongated man's always one of the more light characters. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he gets it. I'd say, I mean, Hawkeye, Hawkman gets it pretty bad. He gets stabbed in the back. But right. just there's something so graphic and grotesque about elongated man's body being pressed into like a flat and boiled at the same time. It's really nasty. It's really, it's, well, it's just, ugh. the others are graphic attacks. His is more like a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really, what I like about really, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I said, I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot. Cause, cause just tonally, you're just so not expecting it. You know, you're just, mm-hmm. this is, especially when you think about this is coming right after the secret origin of black canary two parter, which is like one of the goofiest JLA <laughs> stories ever done. And then we take a hard right turn here where the bad guys are just vicious. And you feel bad about, like, the um, the, the people that are on the expedition with Carter Hall. Like, they're, right. they're just regular people. They're not bad guys. They are not bad guys. But, like, they're not superheroes. They're just regular people. And they get it really. It's just, it's just really grotesque and a great a great opening. And, of course, I'm happy that Hawk Girl, Hawk Woman is in the story because she doesn't get to appear in Justice League all that much. So I'm glad she's That's here. True. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to the next issue. Okay. Right. Now, I was very complimentary of the first cover. I will now cease to be complimentary of the covers from here going forward. Um, Justice League, number 222. The cover says Death Games, and it's got the Maximus Rex guy who's you know, enormous, just for the size of the cover at least. And in his hand, his clawed hand, he's holding the, the defeated Justice League. It looks like um, 
Some of them are unconscious. Some of them are resisting against his clutches. But either way, he clearly has the JLA in his hand is what they're, you know, the point of the story there. Um, can't stand this cover. I hate the whole line. Every time I flip through my JLA issues and I come to these, I'm like, ugh. So, why do you why, why why do you hate it? It's Maximus's design. Oh, okay. I, I right. can't stand the way he looks. I think he looks ridiculous. Um, okay. I don't know what else you could have done for a humanoid lion, but it just doesn't do much for me. How about you? What do you think of this cover? I, I think it's I think it's fine. He does look like a very uh, Masters of the Universe type figure. I could see this as like a Remco doll or something mm-hmm. from the eighties. No, the design doesn't bother me to totally, but I think the cover's fine. I mean, it, you know, it's representational. I like that we have all the heroes and uh, and and you know, uh, Aquaman's there. <laughs> well, Aquaman's. He's one of the ones still conscious. You, know, you mm-hmm. get Aquaman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and um, Hawk Girl and Hawkman are the ones still fighting. Mm-hmm. Firestorm, Flash, Zatanna, and Elongated Man are kind of down for the count. Yep. So, yeah, good, good for Arthur. He's like, uh, he's helping support ba- Superman's back. That's what there he's doing go. there. Okay, uh, I am going to read a pre-prepared uh, recap. I stole it from some nerd's website uh, <laughs> that's defunct and hasn't been updated in years. So, <clears throat> here we go. Uh, Death Games by Jerry Conway, Chuck Patton, and Romeo Tengal. And so, um, where we pick up from where we were last issue, we open on the JLI, JLA sitting around their conference table looking skeptical at their guest, the Cat Lady Rena, as she gives them her story. The remaining JLAers, which are Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Hawkgirl, and Zatanna, range from doubtful to downright hostile towards her, worrying that she is some sort of plant for Maximus Rex, whose beastmen have already viciously attacked the Flash and Elongated Man and Hawkman, though they don't know that yet. Rena explains that she used to work for Rex at Replitech Industries, which was a firm that experimented in genetics. Rena tells the JLA that she was the one who had to deliver some devastating financial news to the president, Rex Rogan and the board of directors. They were bankrupt. Uh, So Rex then suggests that they use the company's experimental medicines on themselves. It might kill them, but since they're facing certain jail time for their financial misdeeds, for some reason the group, including Irina, go along with this. Now, for those of you who haven't figured out, Irina is also um, Rena, the the cat lady. So their head scientist, Dr. Lovecraft, performs his experiments, which does indeed turn them into bizarre animal men and women. Uh, He then... I'm sorry. Uh, he then uses his newfound abilities to steal under the protection of the Beastmen, and they build a hideous underground network of moral zeros. <laughs> Funny guy who wrote this. It's uh, a good turn came, of phrase. <laughs> it is good. He built an underground network of moral zeros who came to watch the death games that we saw last issue. Rena, the cat lady, is exhausted and teary-eyed from telling them what she saw, and Hawkgirl and Wonder Woman in particular are sickened by this, but Superman and Zatanna ask her to continue. Rena then tells them about a new addition to the Beastmen, a man named Raoul, who was equally sickened at what he saw, and he helped Rena escape. Hawkwoman, however, is less, less than sympathetic. At this time, we see that Maximus Rex has a special revenge set up for Raoul, and so Maximus himself enters the ring with Raoul and, uh, for another round of the Death Games. Raoul does his best, but he's no match for Rex, as Rex uh, apparently rips off his head, is what it looks like to me. Yuck. Uh, although DC Comics is sure to color the blood in purples, uh, not, not red. The JLA is deciding what to do when word comes in that ha- what's happened to Hawkman. Rena tries to express her sympathy, but Hawkgirl pulls away, saying, If Katar dies, you killed him! Rena shocks her host, saying that deep down she still loves Rex and that she wishes, wishes she was dead. Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl make it to the hospital in Egypt, where the Shayera holds Katar's hand, apologizing for some fight they'd had before Katar left for the dig. And as the doctor explains, Hawkman needs anti-tox- antitoxin, and soon we find out that this whole thing is a trap. Hawkgirl is gassed by an agent of Rex's, posing as a janitor, and the Rhino Man is there to punch the lights out of Wonder Woman. They kidnap all three JLAers and then beam a transmission to the satellite, showing the three 
helpless heroes. Rex wants the JLA to turn over Rena and for the heroes to not stop Rex and his plans. If they don't acquiesce, Hawkman will die, and Rex will experiment on Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl. And that's it. The JLA have had enough. They stand there defiantly in front of their monitor board, and Superman says, Enjoy it while you can, Maximus. Or enjoy it while you have it, Maximus. We're bringing you down. To be continued. Next issue, Final Fury. What do you think, buddy? Well, I, there's only three things I like about this issue. Uh, the beginning, okay. the middle, and the end. Oh, oh uh, just, the, just those parts. Okay. <laughs> just those parts. I, I love this issue. Uh, I, okay. think it's, I, I think the opening splash page is great. Of the, the, the three big guns. Yes, I'm calling Aquaman one of the big guns of the Justice League. Oh, L- looking, looking skeptical. And I love the middle section. I love that Hawkgirl is like just totally against Rena. I love all that. I think that's a great character beat for her. That she's obviously feeling guilty about the fight she had with Carter. But that, that she is just openly hostile to Rena. I think that's great. I like that Firestorm is more trusting. I think that fits with their their personalities. And of course, Jerry would be the expert on how to write right. Firestorm. But I think if, if, I, if I can interject for just a second, the the bit with Hawkgirl uh, and her struggles with the fight she had with Hawkman, I just felt like that was one of the most real things in the comic. Because okay. who hasn't had a disagreement with your loved one? And then something happens and you're just – you feel terrible about it. You feel absolutely horrible like, oh my gosh, this is the last thing I said to them today. I, I need to call and say I'm sorry or whatever. I mean Rob's constantly calling me telling me he's sorry for some disagreement we had because he doesn't want it to be – you know, the day to end that way. So I, I totally get it. I feel like it was the most real moment of the book for me. And the final part I really like is the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the final page. I, when I was a kid, I still remember – Distinctly being so excited at that final page of Superman with his fist clenched and his, te- his fist and his teeth clenched and Aquaman looking at they are pissed off and I would the thing I like about this is like the Justice League obviously has not really faced bad guys like this this level. I mean, you know, I mean, they fought bad guys that want to, like, destroy the universe and stuff. But they're, like, goofy guys like Kanjaro and Despero and the giant starfish. These are people that want to see other people suffer and perform hideous acts of violence. And it's, like, it's taken the Justice League, like, a full issue to kind of get hip to the threat that they're mm-hmm. facing. But when they do, it's the final page and they're, like, okay – that's it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I know I'm seeing this through rose-colored glasses because I loved the story when I was a kid, and I love it now. But I just that final page, man, just seeing Superman and Aquaman on the first page and on the last page, just like, oh, man, I dig it. Well, the la- the, well, first of all, you, you, you got to give credit to Chuck Patton. I mean, that's really what's oh, selling it's great. this. Chuck oh, the Patton's body language amazing is great. Yep, yep. Yeah. And that last page is great. You're right. Superman looks pissed. Aquaman's, you know, playing with some headphones. Uh, Firestorm looks great. <laughs> I, I love the, the the fire halo, if you will, on, on Firestorm. It's very explosive. You know, Chuck really kind of he, – he's demonstrating anger just through the, the fire on, Aquaman, on Firestorm's hair. Rena's in tears. Uh, why somebody doesn't put some clothes on Rena? I don't get. She's almost naked. Anyway, um, it's a great, great. And then you know, Rex's laughter above it. So yes, it is an excellent last page, no doubt about it. Um, my only two big hangups I have with this particular issue. Um, in general, I enjoy it, but I don't like that the Rhino Man successfully took out Wonder Woman so easily. Um, I feel like Wonder Woman's a bigger deal than that. I figure I think she should be tougher to take down. And the other thing is, I don't know. And, and this is just. This isn't really their fault, but this is just the nature of comic books. I don't know what the Beastman's hanging up with the Justice League is. I don't know why Rex is putting all his focus on the Justice League when it's, there's a whole world of people he's trying to deal with. You know? 
I could see that. I mean, the Justice League are, are getting in his way, and so he's you know he's looking at them as like an obstacle to for his plan. So okay, uh, I'll give you that. He, they did stop their robberies, and Rena is with them. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, okay, you, you've you've explained that one away. I'll give you that. There you All go. right, cool. I, I agree. Wonder Woman basically gets taken out by just a couple of punches, which is probably a little much because she's Wonder Woman. You know, right. I mean, a little more than that, especially since the Rhino Man gets punched by Aquaman on the cover, at least in the next issue. But, you know, they probably had a little bit of limited space to, to get it all, get it all, you know, get it all in. Uh, I do love the detail of uh, when Maximus Rex is laughing at the Justice League and he's frothing at the mouth. I think that's right. a great detail. And seeing Wonder Woman and Hawkman Hawk Girl, like, literally bound and gagged. As he's, you know, he's, they're standing there on that podium and they look all trussed up. Like, that's just, like, adding insult to injury. And I also like Superman pointing at the screen and Zatara's, Zatanna's actually trying to, like, calm him down a little. I think that's a good deal. Right. I mean, look at it. She's doing the whole Deanna Troy thing. Look at his eyes, Superman. Feral. <laughs> Scarlet with bloodlust. He's completely insane. I love all that. It's great. The pain. Uh, if you go back a page to 21, I really like the, the sort of bottom-lit image of Maximus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I thought that's a really effective way to do him. Uh, there's all, Actually, you know, go back to page 7. There is a great shot of Aquaman uh, that I like on page 7. Where, uh, or actually, it's not, it's not so much great. I'm sorry. <laughs> Once I saw it, I take that back. It's not great. It's funny. Um, page seven, middle panel. Uh, Superman's talking to the area. He's like, he's <laughs> got this weird sneer. It looks hilarious. That cracked me up. Uh, I guess I should expand it on my note before I told him, before I started talking about it. <laughs> uh, there's some funny dialogue. And I don't know if it's funny, but like Firestorm, Firestorm's got some cojones here. Like, you know, uh, Firestorm's the junior member of the league, right? He is the loudmouth. He, he's standing in the presence of practically gods. And here he is, this kid who's got more power than he knows what to do with. And he mouths off. He tells Superman, he says, cool off, Superman, which is great. Like, whoa, really, kid? You're going to say that to the Man of Steel, the most powerful person on the planet? But yeah, apparently he is. And then Aquaman has a line, which is... Uh, which is actually quite corny. Corny. Uh, they're talking about Replitech Industries, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, uh, "I remember they made a big splash a year ago, but I haven't heard anything about it since." And splash is like emphasized. I'm like, oh, that's. <laughs> I wish they hadn't done that. Now's not the time for a pun, Aquaman. <laughs> right. Exactly. Arthur, rain it in, pal. Rain it's it in. It's very serious. Yeah. Um, but in general, you know, it's a, again, Patton's drawing it, Conway's scripting it, so it, it, it's very, very good. It's much better than I remember. This is the weakest of the three chapters, I felt like, um, but it's still pretty good. Still pretty good. I did like how it was a setup with Hawkgirl uh, in the hospital, mm-hmm. where they, you know that thing was a whole setup to get more JLIers, which was kind of clever. But in general, um, good. But but it, it started stronger and it ends stronger. Okay. Uh, well, that said, speaking of ending strong, uh, there's number 223, Bloodsport, uh, again, of course, by Conway, Patton, and Romeo Tangle. Uh, back at Rex's Coliseum of Death, where the guards are surprised to see Rena right in front of them. She demands to be taken to Rex now. At the moment, Rex is busy slaughtering half a dozen humans, and his brutal tactics seem to turn the crowd even more wild. When Rex sees Rena in custody, he takes his rage out on the last two hapless humans in the ring. Good thing we don't actually get to see what happens. Rex slaps Rena around a bit while she demands Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl be set free. As his beastmen debate amongst themselves what their boss should do with her, we see she's carrying a small tracking device in her ear, letting the JLA know where Rex is. We also see that Rena is still with the JLA, and that Rena has surrendered herself, uh, and that the, the Rena that surrendered herself is actually Zatanna using her ma- 
Yes, using her magic to make herself look like Rex's former love. She's got guts, that Z does. The JLAers <laughs> are joined by Flash and Elongated Man, bruised and bandaged, but well enough to see if they can help out. They sit down and plan their assault. A group of Rex's armored guards and Dr. Lovecraft are nabbed by Firestorm, Elongated Man, and Rena, who loses her grip on humanity and is caught by Firestorm nearly ripping Lovecraft's, Lovecraft's throat out. Ralph asks Lovecraft where the antitoxin needed for Hawkman is, but only answers when Ralph suggests that maybe Rena should ask. Hmm? Aquaman is met in the ocean by Firestorm and Ralph, and they hand him the antitoxin. He's warned that the Beastmen are suffering from progressive deterioration. They are losing more and more of their humanity. Aquaman takes that info in stride and dives back into the water. Superman rips a hole in the side of Rex's mountain retreat, but is blasted by some sort of energy gun. Firestorm and Ralph see that he has then been crucified for the crowd's entertainment, but when they try and free him, they see it was all a hologram designed to trick them. Firestorm is hit, and as he fades from consciousness, he sees Rex standing over him. Meanwhile, Aquaman runs into the Whale Man, who was trying to stop the Sea King from sneaking into the base via a water tunnel. But uh, Mama Curry didn't raise no fools, and Aquaman, <laughs> thanks to Jerry Conway, brings up the big guns using his powers in the most badass manner I have ever seen. He uses his telepathic powers to squeeze the mailman's brain, and as he puts it, shut down your mind. And he says, sweet dreams, as he leaves the whale man in a vegetative state. Brutal. Me- brutal. Meanwhile, above ground, all hell's broken loose. All hell's broken loose. Excuse <laughs> me. Ralph is trying to keep Rex distracted, and Zatanna finally drops to the skies. Rena takes this opportunity to paste one to Rex, just as just as he has all his beastmen flood the arena and attack. Watching all this on the monitor, another one of the beastmen, a snake man, trash talks Wonder Woman and Hawk Girl, telling him to watch their friends die. Except. There's Aquaman, and we see as the lights go out, the reptile man says, that explosion came from the generator plant, the life, the power. And then we see off screen, we see uh, Aquaman say, the end reptile, as his fist reaches out and squeezes the reptile by the neck. Holy crap. I didn't notice that. Yep. And Superman and Firestorm are helplessly trussed up. Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Zatanna, Elongated Man, and the Hawks start kicking some serious Beastman ass, knocking them out one by one. The last shot is delivered by Wonder Woman, who delivers a jaw-shattering shot to the Rhino Man. They then see that all of the Beastmen have started to devolve into just animals. All their humanity, if they ever had any in the first place, is now gone. They notice that Rex and Rena are gone too, and they follow a trail of footprints, but to no avail. They find, and the final shot is of all the JL layers on a coastline, and it says their trail ends here at the shore. Footprints become paw prints, and finally, and then Hawkman says, this woman, Rena, she told you Rex, she and Rex were lovers once? Then why did she turn on him, only to try and kill him? And Hawkgirl says, the love is pure, Kadar. Each of us also hates the one we love, just a little, because our love can make us dependent. For some overcoming that, that hate proves too hard. And the final shot is Firestorm. He says he feels sad for Rena. Hawkgirl tells him that she was doomed all along the minute she fell in love with Rex and let him dominate her life. And that's the end of the story. Well, then there's one just standalone panel of Firestorm sitting there with his mouth kind of hanging open. Yes. And it's, 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 it's a third of the page, and it's just a close-up of his face, and that's it. There's no yep. words, no, no, no caption, nothing. All right. Well, I thought this was uh, stronger than the second installment. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I loved Rena's progression. I thought her turning on Bestial was great. Uh, let's see what else. Um, okay, one thing you didn't really get into much detail here was Firestorm's superpower ship that he built. Okay. Uh, they, they fly, he's flying a elongated man 
to the side of the thing, and Firestorm whips up this awesome-looking ship that's like totally a superpowers uh, action figure toy waiting to happen. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, the, the, the Firestorm line of action figures. Uh, well, we of course we have the superpowers one, but yeah, there could, we could have. You could have come with a whole bunch of constructs that he built using his powers. That would have been kind of neat. It's this great ship, and it's got this giant tail fin, and the tail fin has the, the, the Firestorm logo from his chest on it. The front has the logo from the, the chest. Aquaman even asks him, where'd you get the ship from? <laughs> Firestorm's like, whipped it up. You know, it's just, it's a great moment. It's like, yes, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, what else? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, in general, the, the whole thing with the, okay, here's one of my hangups with, this is a this is one of my Bronze Age complaints. You know, I... Superman's weakness to Red Sun and Kryptonite seems like every bad guy has absolutely no trouble getting their hands on Red Sun generators and Kryptonite. And sure enough, in this one, you know, Superman rips open a mountain and they just happen to figure out at that exact spot, that's where they need to place the Red Kryptonite ray that shoots Superman. It's like, oh, come on. And then he's on the cross with the Red Crypt, uh, the Red, uh, sorry, Red Sun energy keeping him weak. It just seems too pat. I realize they got to take Superman out of the equation quickly, but it seems like there could be some other way. I don't know. Yeah, ugh, that bothers me. Does it bother you? As a, as a Bronze Age lover, does that kind of thing bother you? No, it really doesn't. I mean, I, I understand that you need to have Superman in the book because now you don't have Batman to, to use, and so he's the marquee character. And so Jerry was like, i got to get him out of the way. So, But it, does, it doesn't, yeah, I will say the Red Sun technology, a little convenient, but okay, these are like super, you know, super genius guys, and they have all this money in the world, so why the hell not? If you can get kryptonite, if any half-assed crook can get kryptonite, why not Red Sun technology? All right, fair enough. Um, I did enjoy, uh, the, again, I already talked about Reno a little bit, but like, there's just some interesting development in the way they treat her, the way she develops, where Firestorm kind of sits there and shepherds her. Uh, you know, of course, Flash and Elongated Man show up all beat up, ready to fight. I, there's one panel on page six where Superman's so pissed, he punches his hand. He yells, blast it! I hate feeling so helpless! And he punches one hand into the other, and Aquaman's got like a, oh, look when Superman does it. Because <laughs> I got to imagine that was like a sonic boom. Yeah, no, it's probably really loud. Like, all the windows shatter. <laughs> <laughs> All the glasses and the JLA commissary like shatter like right. Uh, I think it's this isn't funny, but interesting when Rex murders all those guys in the in the arena. Mm-hmm. You know, all the purple blood splashing everywhere. When you go to the next page, Rex is covered in it, but now it's red because they know they can get away with it with mm-hmm. the comics code there on him. <laughs> in, you know, I could sit here and just pick away little art things and say what I like and didn't like. But in general, it was fun. I, I like Aquaman battling the whale beast. That's great. That's uh, exactly that is one of my do. top ten favorite Aquaman moments of all time because I the, the look that Patton gives the whale guy – he doesn't. He looks like he's been lobotomized. Yes, he does. Because he has this vacant stare, and it's like you could say, "Well, Aquaman probably like maybe he went back and like unlobotomized him," but I bet he didn't. So right. I think uh, that whale guy just slowly got picked apart by sharks over the next oh. several years. Yes, you took it to the next level, bro. And then Aquaman gets a second badass moment with the silhouette shot of him reaching into the reptile and grabbing him by the throat. I just love that line. The end, reptile. That's I love it. Oh my! It's like. Jerry gave Aquaman such great moment, and then we see him punching one of the uh, the Birdmen in the right. stomach when uh, Wonder Woman lasses him. I love that too. Like, I love that Jerry gave Aquaman all these great moments. I think it's great. And there's also a nice little line of dialogue, a uh, thought balloon, and after that moment you mentioned where Superman punches his hand, Aquaman mutters to himself, like that Superman is the most powerful among us, and he's not used to being sort of outmaneuvered like this, and it's really getting to him. I thought that's a nice little piece of detail. I gotta wonder if Jerry was starting to make his plans about Justice League Detroit at this point, because you think about it, this is two twenty three, right? Yeah, we're only and five issues away at this point. 
Well, it's, it's more than that, but we're only five issues away from the beginning of the Martian storyline, which well, is what, what led I mean. to it. Yeah. 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 So I got to think maybe he's already building up Aquaman. In fact, I when I read this, I did start to sit there and go, you know what? If I were to put my head into Jerry's head, uh, which is what I try to do often anyway, because, you know, what would Jerry do is on my bracelet. I wouldn't be surprised if he sat there and debated back and forth for Justice League Detroit whether to use Rena or Vixen. Well, that's, see, that's something I was going to get at. When I read the first two issues, I remember this at the time. The way that Firestorm treated Rena made me think that the story was headed towards where he was going to suggest that she become a member of the team. Mm-hmm. Because it just felt like that. Like, he was always the one trusting her. He was kind of vouching for her. I mean, as you said, he even, like, tells Superman to back off, which is gutsy. Right. Uh, and I was glad that he didn't go that route because I just thought, all right, I don't, I, you know, Rena doesn't belong in the jail. Like, that's just too far. You know, to, to add her, and obviously by the fact when she reveals that she's still she's still in love with with Rex, you're like, okay, no, 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 she's she's got to go too. But I I really felt that's where they were were headed a little bit in that direction. Well, it, it, I agree. In this issue, in this version of the league, she doesn't belong. She doesn't belong shoulder to shoulder with Superman and Batman right. and, and Wonder Woman like that. But well, not Batman, but not Batman, but. Yeah. When you get to Justice League Detroit, when it's new characters who are being brought in and taught how to be heroes, right. she fits the mold perfectly. Right. I mean, Vixen Vixen plays that same role, but you know, I gotta wonder if Jerry was debating Rena or Rena or Vixen, Rena or Vixen, for when I get to Justice League Detroit, because Rena would have been a great, you know, a redemption storyline for her would have been great. Um, she might even show up on one of my lists. I'm just saying. Okay. I also so. like the fact that we never see these characters again. Like I think that gives it an extra poignancy that like they were never used again. They just disappeared. Like you wonder what did happen to Rena and Rex. You know, like did they just become animals and take off? And maybe so. I don't know. I think that I think I, I I'm glad there's no sequel to this. I love that it ends, and I love the final panel uh, of them in silhouette. I, it gives a sense of like time has passed. Mm-hmm. Like the day has gone on and now it's sunset. That rarely happens in comic books because just most people don't think to draw it. But I, I like that. You, you, it feels like it's the end of the day. Right. Is uh, is Aquaman and Zatanna sort of snuggling up there in that silhouette? Because it looks kind of like it. <laughs> I, I I think he just has his arms folded. I think you're really okay. into it, yes. Um, I, I'm glad they didn't come back because I do feel like these are the kind of villains that worked well in this story because there was two issues – of basically them not fighting the Justice League, of it building and building and building. And they, they fought little individual skirmishes. But, you know, it, it, it was more of a building to this final issue where there was no doubt really that the bat, the Beast folks were going to get beaten by the Justice League. So I think if you were to tell another story with them, it would be very difficult because you don't have the introduction necessary. At that point, you know who the characters are. And so you know they're heading for a beatdown. So by doing it this way, I think it works well, but I, I don't think a sequel would have worked. So I'm glad they didn't come back. So. Right, and related to that, uh, the, the the problem I know some people have with this story is that it's so violent, is that it's just so far afield from what we're used to. It's really pretty gory for a Justice League comic. And the thing, the reason I, I that doesn't bother me is because it, it this stands unique. I think if after this story, the jail had gotten really dark and gotten gory, after I would have been like, oh, this is really the beginning of a dark time. But because this story stands unique, it kind of is like Jerry pushing the boundaries a little and then it sort of snaps back to, mm-hmm. to something a little more regular. In fact, right after this, it's a one-issue story where they fight this one, one-off villain named Paragon, and then there's a three-issue story where it's all the newer members fighting a, a demon. So it's like it's kind of like Jerry was just sort of pushing it, but then he 
he brought it back a little, which I which I like. I would not wanted to see this level of gore in any future stories. You know, it sort of works as a this three parter where you know the, the JLA is taking on a team of baddies they're not used to who bring a level of violence they're not used to. But then you know we're gonna go back to fighting wizards and costume no good next after this. <laughs> um, and it was also sort of reflective of the time, though, too. I mean, this is the way comics were going, was more gory, more, you know, heroes not always truly having a clean win kind of thing. And this, this, I mean, it's sort of a prototype for where comics would be. You know, I was, fl- I was a little distracted because I was flipping through the letters page. You're right, there is no mention of why Jerry came back. They talk, no. a, lot about Ch- they talk a lot about Chuck Patton. A yeah. lot of praise for Chuck Patton, as he deserves, which is great. Uh, but not, no real mention of Jerry coming back. No, that is weird. It's like, oh, Jerry's just back. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> it's probably in a, it's probably in a back issue article somewhere. Uh, we just have to dig it up. Yeah. But overall, I'm glad I reread these. It really uh, gave me a new perspective because, again, every time I look at those covers, I I dreaded these issues. It was like, ugh. And I guess I just was in the wrong place when I read them. So. Cool. Oh, well, we didn't mention the cover. The cover, again, is oh. by Pat and Giordano, and, and Aquaman is pasting the rhino guy across the face, which I love. It's great. Yeah, I don't like this cover either. Yeah. So. <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you? I don't like the cover. You know, it, the only good thing about the cover is that you've got, you know, well, it does have Aquaman and Firestorm and, and Elongated Man battling the beast, which is kind of fun. Uh, but you, you have Superman battling... Um, Maximus. You know, Maximus Rex up there on Pride Rock at the top, which is kind of cool because they're both, you know, sort of the premier member of each one of their respective teams. So that's kind of a nice uh, thematic thing. But other than that, I, the drawing itself doesn't do anything for oh me. Oh, my God. Uh, Patton did so many more exciting covers than this, you know? Doesn't mean this anyway. one's bad. I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> anyway, all in all. Very pleased with the issue. So I'm glad, I'm glad you made me reread these. Thank you. Good. Yes. And this is it. This is, we're done. We have no more Aquaman Firestorm stories in Justice League. Uh, in the classic JLA book, we're, we're done. We've, we've wrapped them all up. That's okay, because every future episode of this podcast is just going to be hypothetical teams of Justice League Detroit. That's right. So, that's right. Because I'm so jazzed about this. I came up with another <laughs> one while we are talking. The odd man. All right. No, so calm down. We're not putting the odd man in the Justice League. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I think that's going to do it. Uh, we will have a gallery post where you'll be able to see some of the images from these uh, from these comics, including sadly the covers. Uh, you'll, where Rob, tell them where to find these uh, uh, posts. Fireandwaterpodcast.com. You know, he never finishes that. I have to say every time for him, go up to the shows button, folks. Pick Aquaman and Firestorm and click that one, and then you can see. I, the, I, the I, I trust our audience to figure it out. <laughs> well, folks, please leave your comments on these issues. Tell us why you love them or why you didn't. Tell us your thoughts on how you would have done the Justice League Detroit team. I know Keechee Bakers will simply be a reposting of all the main members of the regular Satellite Era Justice League. That's going to be his Justice League Detroit era, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> other than that, I think, um, you know, find us on social media. You can find us on Firewater Podcasts on uh, both Twitter and Facebook. Rob has every other Twitter handle out there. Um, you can find me at Firestorm Fan on both uh, both networks as well. And I think that's going to do it. Anything else you want to share, Rob? No, I think we're going to wrap it up. All right, folks. With that, remember, always fan the flame. And ride the wave. Beast Wars! Justice League of America, the combined might and power of the Man of Steel and the Cosmic Crusader, the Winged Avenger and the King of the Sea, the Tiny Titan and the Scarlet Streak. All working together for good against evil as the Justice League of America.
the beginning came the beasts, but nature lies. They're robots in disguise. Beast Wars. Heroic new Maximals battle the evil reptile and insect forces of the Predacons. Evil Waspinator changes from insect to high tech and puts the sting on Cheetor. But there's more to Cheetor than meets the eye. Under the skin lurks a robot within, with hidden weapons firing. All new Beast